This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, please, this morning, and would you go with me to the 40th Psalm. We live in changing times, don't we? What concerns me is we live in a time of a changing church. Remember that the church is not brick and mortar. The church is made up of believers. Which brings us back to the point that Christians are changing though we may be just a few steps behind the world. I believe that we're looking today at a secularized church that is losing sight of who we are and what we should be. Who we are are regenerated believers in Jesus Christ. What we should be is like Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us that we are in Christ, and that simply means that we have been placed by the Holy Spirit into his body, because when we receive Jesus Christ, he was placed in our bodies. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, each believer is a new creation. All things are passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Well, at least that's what should be happening. Now take heart. None of us are seeing change at the rate we want to see it. But Jesus Christ isn't done with any of us. He that hath begun the good work in you, he continues to perform that. He'll do it until the day you stand to look into his face. And he is divinely working to make you into his image. The trials we face, that's his gracious work. Sometimes the spankings we get, well, that's his gracious work too. Now, who is the agent of this change? I've already referred to him. He's the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God. When we receive him, Paul spoke of this to the Galatians, we're crucified with Christ. What's that mean? The old nature is put to death. Paul will go into great detail about that in Romans 6 and 7. When you got saved, something in you died, and that was a good thing. He put to death your old nature, your old man, the old you. Uh, anyone who preaches you have a new nature and an old nature, they don't understand their Bible. We are new creations, and when we get saved, he puts a new nature in us. But who is that? That's not a, that is not so much a new you as it is Christ in you. You receive the Spirit of God. Jesus lives in you. He is the hope of glory, our eternal life. And He is the hope of who is, He's the one who is making us 
into what we should be because Jesus does want to look into your eyes one day and say, well done, good and faithful servant. But when he moves in, everything begins to change. He turns the light on. You see everything differently, or you should. Now, you're not going to see everything as clearly as you should unless you get into the Word of God and let this light focus on every part of you. But if you let that happen, there is going to be wonderful, glorious change. And so that new nature, regeneration, the very life of the risen Lord in you, everything new. When He controls you, He enables everything new that He has put in you. New fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. If everyone on earth was like that, would this be a different earth? Wow. All right, new fruit. Spiritual gifts. God saves us and then He equips us with unique gifts that make us very different than what we used to be. And those gifts are intended to help minister to the body of Christ. So every Christian, and it may be some listening on live stream today, you chose to stay home. Didn't need to, but you chose to. All right? Your spiritual gifts aren't going to function over your coffee cup. They need to be here ministering to us as we also minister to you. And then the Holy Spirit gives us love for His Word and the brethren. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing offends them. A new perspective about sin. Things that didn't bother me now really bother me, or they should. And by the way, along with all that, we get a wonderful treasure, and here it is, a new song. You get a new song. Note the description of that new song in Psalm 40. By the way, this isn't the only time in the Psalms that the psalmist will refer to this new song, but here's, I think, uh, the most helpful description as far as more detail given. But look at verse 2. He, God, the Lord, verse 1, brought me up also out of an horrible pit. Now, the Hebrew there is literally a pit of noise. Out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth. So there's deliverance. And now he gives me this song, even praise unto our God. Many shall hear it. No, I didn't read that right. Many shall see it. Now, oh, they'll hear it too, but they'll see it. They'll see what's coming out of that person who has new life in Christ. Now they're seeing a new song. They'll fear and shall trust in the Lord. In other words, that new song that they see in here will draw them to God. And so he brought us out of a pit of noise. We live in a noisy world. 
we seek peace from that noise if we know the Lord. Now, some people in the world, they seek to drown out the noise with more noise. Their music, in some cases. Okay? You ever pulled up to a stoplight? And now your car starts vibrating too, but there's nothing wrong with your car. I will confess that has never brought peace to me. But I feel bad for the person. What are they trying to drown out? What are they trying to get away from? Mick Jagger, Rolling Stones, described rock music this way. It's a noise we make. That's all. You could be kind and call it music. That's what he said. So we're, we're rescued from a pit of noise. No peace of God to a song that is new in character and quality. New song, that's what it means. It's not anything like the old song. Now people want to say, oh, but, but they use musical notes. Come on. Come on. It's new in quality. It's new in character. It becomes our song in the night, Psalm 77, 6 says. What's night there a reference to? The things that disturb us, trouble us, bring fear. It's a new song. A song that remains even when our senses leave us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit hasn't left us. You know that you can still be alive here. Your mind can be gone. Dementia, Alzheimer's. And yet Christians still have the new song. Say, so does that really happen? Sure does. My pastor, Ralph Martin's with the Lord. But when he went to be with the Lord, his mind was gone. Uh, he was a faithful pastor, but he taught the young people in our church to love good music. In fact, he would bring in guys like Frank Garlock to give these seminars, and we'd, we'd learn what the Bible said about music that honors the Lord. We grew to love Christ-honoring music. But at the end of his life, with that wonderful tenor voice that he had, with his mind gone, they'd come up beside him and they'd start singing a song. I saw this on video. Not only would he sing along with them, but he'd sing in harmony. Mind wasn't there, but the Holy Spirit was there. They're saying the same thing, and again, I've seen video of Ron Hamilton, Patch the Pirate. In fact, Ron is still at a place where he was until recently where he could sit at the piano and still play some of those old hymns. Becky Palalay knows that when her mom, when she started slipping, she could sit at the piano and still glorify God with these hymns. The new song. Notice how entwined Isaiah says that our new song is with our salvation. Isaiah 12, 2 says this, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my what? He's my song. He also is become my salvation. What was the prophet saying? He's delivered me. I'm saved. But now that I am his and he is mine, he's also given me a song. 
That's Old Testament. That's New Testament. And he still is my salvation, even in the most difficult times. Now, would you turn over with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. The New Testament doesn't teach us so much about the singing in the early church. It primarily teaches us about what the singing should be like and the music should be like in the church. And so the one helps us to understand that they sang. In fact, tonight when we celebrate the table of the Lord, we're going to be reminded that after the table... The Lord and the disciples sang a song together, and then they went out into the night. And that was a horrible night. But God the Son sang a song with them to prepare them, I believe, for what was coming. Now in Ephesians chapter 5, we see what happens when the Holy Spirit who indwells us is in control of us. Look, please. At verse 18, here's the admonition, to be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Now that word excess means everything that is over the top and outside of what we should be as Christians. When the flesh is in control, the fruit of the flesh is manifest. Okay, that's, that's what he's referring to. Uh, this is how it'll express itself. This is what a Christian should look like, but when the flesh is in control, we, we look like the world. So don't let that happen. What happens when someone becomes controlled by alcohol? All kinds of awful things. Okay? Don't be controlled by that, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Be filled. That's what the word filled means. And when that happens, when he's in control, notice the first evidence here to the Ephesians, verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Wow. I always get concerned about a Christian that wants to debate because they like the world's music. You know, if you're spirit-controlled, you don't want to have that debate. And that's what the Scripture's teaching us. Psalms, singing the scripture, the Psalter, the hymnal of Israel. Psalms, hymns, what are those? Those are anthems that are direct responses to God in praise. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. We sang one of those hymns this morning. Now, what is a spiritual song? Those are testimonies. That's prophesying, not new revelation, but that is proclaiming God's goodness on our behalf. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, deeply stained with sin, sinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters, lifted me. Now safe am I. That's a spiritual song. That's a testimonial. And by the way, within that particular spiritual song, okay, you have a whole lot of truth that can be traced back to the Scripture. It's not, you know, I was feeling lousy, and then I met Jesus. Go ahead. Had, had a bad day, but he gave me a good day. 
Where's that in the Bible? But, but you and I know there's a whole lot of, quote, Christian music, unquote, out there, and that's what it does. And only it says it about 30 times. God repeats himself, but on purpose, and is full of his truth. So when the Holy Spirit enables the new song he has put in us, everything changes, including our music. But what happens to our music? Well, there's a different foundation and there's a different focus. If you're taking some notes this morning, I hope this will be a help to you. Ephesians 5.19 has a parallel text. If you'll want to write this down and we're going to turn there, it's Colossians 3.16. So hold your place here. Go over Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It helps me to remember this verse because John 3.16, Colossians 3.16. All right, maybe that'll help you. One talks about my new life, and then one talks about what God gives me with my new life. So here's what Colossians 3.16 says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So we receive the Holy Spirit who is the author of the word of God. Let his word now, he's there, he will guide you into all truth, but now let his word dwell in you richly. Now, what, does that word, what does that mean? Well, he gives us wisdom, which, is, which means the application of the truth. But let his, his word dwell in you richly. That is the idea, again, of control. We're to yield to the Holy Spirit, but then, as we see the Word of God, as we take it in, we're to yield to the Word of God. So as I take in the Scripture, everything that it points to in my life, my attitude, what I do with my resources that are really God's, uh, the, the need to share Christ with others, maybe some secret sin that I'm harboring, whatever the Lord points to, I let Him have His way. He gets to take over. He gets to be in charge. If he says it needs to change, I change. Amen. Why? I'm bought with a price. I, I don't own me. And that's a good thing. Amen. All right? So let it dwell richly. And so Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16 teach us that the foundation of our music, our new song, is the Word of Christ, the indwelling Spirit and His Word. Now watch what happens when it's dwelling richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace. Now that, again, that is a parallel. It takes into account the Holy Spirit's in control. Grace is His enablement. I yield to Him and He gives me the spiritual energy, the fuel to do what he wants me to do. I can't do it. Without him, I can't do anything. So that grace enables me to have right music. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. All right, so that's the foundation. But notice the focus then that these verses also teach us. Singing with grace, 
That's a vertical focus. Lord, I need your enablement to be able to worship you. I need your grace. I'm yielding to your spirit. Notice that both those passages talk about the fact that my music is not because I want others to come to my church. Now, they will see it, fear, trust in the Lord, but that's not the focus. Churches that change their music to try to get the world in the door, you're not going to find that in your Bible. It's not there. How can spiritually dead people appreciate a new song that only the Christian can understand? So it's vertical, under the Lord, His glory. Pastor Ned stands up here, turn in your hymnals too. Oh, that's not one of my favorites. I, I've never liked that song. <laughs> well, if the words are right, and they are, okay. If you don't like the tune, write a better tune. Okay, that's okay too. But who are you singing to? The Lord. And I don't think he's looking down from heaven saying, you know what, I don't like that tune either. <laughs> no, no, no. Sing it. In fact, the Lord says I, he likes a joyful noise. Amen. And that encourages a whole bunch of us, right? <laughs> a vertical focus. When you sing, you are giving to God the worship of the fruit of your lips, praise. Hence, music that claims to be Christian yet fails to teach the truth of Christ, both positive and negative, is music that falls short of accomplishing the biblical purpose. Now, stop for a moment. Who told us the biblical purpose? God did. I don't get to decide that. My pastor doesn't get to decide that. My worship leader doesn't get to decide that. And so it's important that we test our sacred music by the standard of not what I think, not what I want, not what others want, but pure communication of the Word of Christ in text and in music. All right, and so here's the biblical model based on Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16. Again, if you're taking some notes, I hope you'll, you'll mark this down. I want to remind us about the message, the music, the messenger, and the method because all come into play here. First of all, the message. It has to be scriptural. The message of the music must be biblically accurate. Why? It's the Word of Christ. That's the message. The music. Not just scriptural, but spiritual. The music must reflect the new song. What the Holy Spirit put there new in quality, new in character, what the Holy Spirit puts in us so that we can now please God. And that will properly wed music and lyrics so that it all pleases Him. The messenger must be Spirit-filled, must be a believer who is controlled by the Holy Spirit and therefore enabled by grace and therefore changing in every way. When a Christian musician is trying to look like secular musicians because they play the same kind of music, something's off. 
spirit-filled, spirit-controlled, and then the method, separated. Who's Who's the audience? It's God. We're singing unto Christ from this world. The method of presentation must communicate Christ-likeness in attitude, in action, in the way that we approach it. And so I want to close this morning. Our time has gone. But I want to admonish us with the need for our music to be Messiah-minded, Christ-minded. If it's not, we're being misled. Got a missionary friend who returned from the field a few years ago and he made the following observations. By the way, he leads, helps to lead a fine Christian college in the Philippines. What is his job? He leads the music department. Very capable musician who loves the Lord. But here's what he said. As we come back to the States and are traveling and talking to people, it seems we are hearing a lot of interesting things about what is going on with music in churches here and in our Bible colleges. One of the things that we're hearing regularly is the impact of missions missions on our Christian music. I hear people saying, well, missionaries go to different countries and there are different cultures and kinds of music. Basically, whatever kind of music works in that culture is going to be right. What we are hearing is coming from conservative churches, and along with this thinking, there's also thinking that believes music is amoral or neutral or non-moral. This thinking often comes from the idea that music is purely tied to culture. By the way, that's... That's what the church is saying and thinking today. Therefore, as the thinking goes, or as it changes, some music might be right in one culture, one might not fit in another culture. Ultimately, all music is neutral, all music is equal. Hmm. He goes on to say this, behind this thinking is the idea that music itself does not communicate. You know the only ones debating that are Christians who want to listen to whatever music. The world is not saying that. Again, Led Zeppelin. I don't very often quote Led Zeppelin. (laughs) But you know what he said? Four words. Rock music is sex. End quote. Christians... Oh, music's neutral, doesn't communicate. Really? Which is why they never have music in a movie. It's just people talking in action. What are they doing with the music? Communicating. Ever been to a concert? It's affecting people. Why are people even there? Because they like it. They pay money to go there. Oh, but it's neutral. It doesn't... What? Had someone just recently who's coming to our church um, (laughs) who said, "We, we come to your church, and this is their exact quote, because the music lifts our hearts to God. Wow. By the way, they went on to say, we came from a church where the music... 
it was music that the world likes, but it didn't do anything for me spiritually. All right, so it does communicate. The Bible speaks clearly about this in both the Psalms and in Romans. Scripture helps us see, makes it evident that creation communicates truth about God. Psalm 19.1, Psalm 97, verse 6 state, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. What did God build into this world? Well, part of it was music. Music was happening in heaven before God ever created the earth. Do you realize that? By the way, we know that because Ezekiel tells us who the top musician was before God threw him out of heaven. He was a fallen angel named Lucifer. Is it any wonder that music is being used to accomplish what it is today? There's a musician behind it. He's a menace, but there's a musician behind it. Romans 1.20 explains that the Gentiles can learn of God's eternal power and Godhead through His creation. Yes, it's possible for truth to be communicated even when words are not present. Creation. But what about music? There are references in God's Word that show music communicating emotions and even truth at various levels. For example, 1 Chronicles 25.1 says that David chose men to prophesy by playing instruments. Godly kings employed musicians to give praise to God with their instruments, though their music here was nonverbal. In other words, communication was not present, no lyrics. Truth was being communicated, received, and understood. Scripture also shows that music communicates in the angelic realm, and that there is music uh, that evil spirits do not like. When Saul rebelled against God, God allowed an evil spirit to torment Saul, 1 Samuel 16, 14 to 23. When David played music that glorified God, what happened? The evil spirit departed from him. Oh, but music has no effect, doesn't it? Go to your Bible. I shared with Pastor Ned, we were talking about this book that Frank Garlock wrote, co-authored, Music in the Balance. I was online this week and saw some of the uh, ways that they have uh, weighed in on this book. There are all kinds of negative things said about it. But you know what? In those reviews, they don't quote the Bible to refute this book. It's their opinion. Opinion doesn't matter. What God says does. So there's no support in the Bible for the idea that music is amoral. In fact, every time the Bible makes any connection between music and emotion or ideas, it supports the idea that music, in fact, does communicate. So let's close by looking at the matter of music in worship. How does this debate impact worship? Many churches today that hold to some biblical doctrine have gravitated to musical expressions that come from a very different theological background. They will look for or adopt music created for different purposes, and they want it to work in the worship in their churches. 
And so our time is up. But would you look at one other passage with me, please? Galatians chapter 5. I've tried to emphasize this morning the Holy Spirit. Are you thankful you have the Holy Spirit today, Christian? Wow. He moved in, and here's what the Scripture says. He is the earnest of my inheritance. I've inherited heaven through Christ. He's the down payment. When he ministers to my spirit, he bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God, he reminds me, you are sealed by me until the day of redemption. Wow. Okay. But he is the, what kind of spirit? Help me. What kind of spirit? Holy Spirit. He didn't move in so he can tolerate whatever I want. He moved in so that I can be whatever God wants. All right. And so what does he think about this world? What does he think about the God of this world? What does he think about this system that is opposing heaven? Well, Galatians helps us understand this. Look at verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For, or here's why, the flesh lusts after the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. What's that say? What does that mean that they're contrary? Mortal combat. Everything happening on this planet is the restrainer, the Holy Spirit, seeking to work through his church and to hold back absolute mayhem. And then the world that is cascading towards destruction. So when a Christian says, well, it's okay, the Holy Spirit will understand if I just have my way, now, folks, I didn't say it. He said that. He wrote the book. Lusteth here is the idea of desires. Uh, it desires to possess. The, my lust desire to control me. Contrary means conflict. Uh, each, the flesh, is working to destroy what is of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is seeking to destroy what is of the flesh. Neither can agree, and that's okay. And so we've got to decide, are we going to please God or are we going to please the flesh? So-called modern worship leaders will take a musical language that communicates something different about God and worship and then put it together with words that express true Bible doctrines. They don't realize that the good words are being received, interpreted, and affected by music that is accompanying them. One is communicating one thing. The words, if they're the word of God dwelling, Christ dwelling, it's communicating something different. Here's an example. 
You could take the words, I love you, and set them to music that communicates all kinds of things. It can communicate a romantic kind of love, a sensual kind of feeling, a style that sounds silly and angry, or a style that communicates pure biblical love. For an example, some of you are old enough to remember that on a birthday party that John F. Kennedy had, Marilyn Monroe sang happy birthday to him. Happy birthday. It's kind of hard to mess up happy birthday. She messed up happy birthday. Because she sang it in a sensual, wicked way as the world watched. Music matters. And so... If you take the words, I love you, Jesus, and set them to a style that was created to arouse romantic, fleshly, sensual feelings, it's going to be wrong. How is that? Well, Jesus is not my lover. He's my Lord. The God of heaven loves me selflessly. This is why music is so important. Music, especially in our worship, impacts our lives, impacts our understanding, and impacts those who are watching. Now, I have a confession to you to make. One time, I did go with some friends to a contemporary church. I was out of town. I made sure I was way out of town. <laughs> right. Pastor, what are you doing here? No, no, okay. <laughs> I will tell you that in that church, I heard great preaching that morning. It was excellent. But I heard different flavors of music. But here's what I noticed. First of all, I noticed that this worship team got up there, men and women. We have men and women helping to lead our worship here, right? Okay, all right. But I couldn't look at some of the women because of the tight clothing that they were wearing. Yoga pants don't lie. I also noticed some of the guys who were strumming wearing hats. They look very much like Musicians in the world. Here, here's a problem with wearing hats. 1 Corinthians 11 says, When in a public worship setting, women are to be in subjection, and men should not have something down on their head. Now, they probably don't even know that, or maybe they change. But the one who said that is the one who gave me the new song, and he has prescribed everything about how I do the new song. And then here's something else I noticed. We were being entertained. Everybody just kind of sat there and watched. Oh, and every once in a while, this happened. And I'm sitting at the back, and I'm watching this. And the people are looking around, they're like, yeah. Now, before we get too critical, the Bible does talk about holding up holy hands. 
But did they know that? And is that what was happening? I've watched us worship and I've seen people go, That's the Holy Spirit, yes. Holy hands. And then when it was done, you know what happened? Now, to be fair, the Scripture does talk about clapping in the context of worship. But do they know that, or are they responding just like when somebody scores a touchdown? That was good. You know what? That musician hit a home run. Here's the question. Who gets the glory? I am to be doing it as unto the Lord. Now, if you can't contain yourself, Lord, you're great. But is that really what's happening? But here's what else I noticed in that service, and we're done. That worship team pulled out an old hymn. And they started singing that old hymn. You know what happened in that? And it was a large congregation. You know what happened? The congregation came alive. They start singing. The mood in that auditorium changed. Why? Because now something was relating to the Holy Spirit. And Christians were responding. The friend I was with after the service I said, he said, well, what do you think? And we talked. And then I said, did you notice? And he goes, yeah, I noticed. When it was in tune with the Holy Spirit and it was praise that everybody got to offer unto the Lord, it was like life got interjected into that place. Fortunately, that happened just before the preaching, and it helped prepare us for receiving the word of Christ. And again, it was a great message. But I got to see a living example of what, what is happening. God is growing our church. I'm so thankful. But regularly now I'm hearing people say, we're just tired of the loud music. We're tired of weak preaching. We've had folks come here and say it was so loud that they had, literally they had earplugs in the hymnal rack in case you needed them. Yeah, that's that. I don't think God ever intended my worship to hurt me. We had one dear family that the man, godly man, protested to the pastor. He said, it's so loud. He said, it just, it, it hurts. And the pastor's solution was, well, we've put live stream in a room. You guys can go worship there and control the volume. Where's that in the Bible? But folks, I'm not here to be critical. I'm trying to be biblical. And some of you think, well, we tolerate the music at Good News. That's just the pastor's. That's his flavor. That's what he likes. No, 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 no. In fact, Pastor Ned will tell you, if we sing a hymn and it's dead as a doornail, 
I'll go to him and say, you know, those were great words, but that hymn tune killed us. Let's not do that one again. Okay? So, our desire is to give God the praise that he is worthy of, Amen. for it to come from the heart, for it to be, is, is worshiping the Lord, is that exciting? And we're going to get to do it forever. So Christian, go to the Bible. Read what you can, what the Bible says about Scripture. Do you know there are over 500 references to music in the Scripture? Don't tell me it doesn't talk about it. And then yield your heart. Everything becomes new. I had another Christian recently say this to me. And he was a brand new Christian. He was saying, I was encouraged by the music at Good News because it doesn't remind me of the music God saved me from. The problem today is people are getting saved and they're coming into our churches. They may hear good preaching, but they're watching music that's just like their old music. The words are different. And here's the conclusion they're coming to. Well, all things become new except the music. And I can keep listening to what I used to listen to. Not if all things become new. So let's yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And let's have music that glorifies Him. That doesn't mean we always listen to just sacred music. There are other kinds of music that will lift your spirit. But it won't turn your spirit in a direction that wants to please what is broken in your flesh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truths of your word. There's so much more that we could have said today. But Lord, thank you for teaching us. Thank you for leading us. And Lord... In this, our 50th year, as we've been looking at various topics that, that we need reminding about so that we have another 50 years as you tarry, if you tarry. And Lord, decades from now, we're still a bright light in what happens here in worship, in our witness, is pleasing to Christ. So Lord, thank you for your truth. Help us. To not just be hearers, but doers. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened. And we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.